0: Hey guys, I just want to say thanks very much for listening into the Game Changers experience. I want to bring your attention to those of you that are looking to build, scale, and make an impact in 22. We have compiled and created the Business Growth Blueprint, which you can get in less than 10 minutes. All you need to do is you just need to click on the link below and it'll ask you a number of questions. There are 35 questions or thereabouts. It's gonna take you about six to eight minutes. It's a completely brand new tool and it's gonna help you to highlight blind spots. It's gonna help you to create an action plan about where to make improvements in your business. It's going to highlight five main areas and the report is completely for free. Use it as as your, at your own heart's content. But if you want to get access to that blueprint, all you have to do is click on the link below or go to businessgrowthblueprint.scoreapp.com. That's businessgrowthblueprint.scoreapp.com. Enjoy the free tool and we'll see you soon. Take care, bye. This is the Game Changers Experience. everybody and welcome to the game changers experience podcast with myself adam strong and i am super pumped and super excited we have another fun packed show and today doesn't disappoint i have to admit this gentleman who we're going to be uh, speaking to very very shortly you know it's a real privilege because we hanged out on clubhouse a few times we engaged in some conversations uh believe it on some of my Clients are even members of this organization, which I'm going to meet, uh, which I'm going to mention very, very shortly. So I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, week, month, whenever you're listening to this. I'm going to get straight into this. So, who is our big guest today? His name is Dr. Ivan Meisner. Now, if you don't know who Dr. Ivan Meisner is, he's the founder and chief visionary officer for the world's largest business networking organization in the world, which is called Business Network International or BNI for short. I was going to say, last year alone, even though it was pandemic, they generated over 12.4 million referrals between its members, generating more than $18.6 billion worth of business for its members. Ivan is a uh, New York Times bestselling author. He's published 26 different books, and is also seen as this most senior authority in the world of networking. He's also been awarded... Many different awards, such as the Humanitarian of the uh, of the Year Award by uh, the Red Cross, and also was the recipient of the John Maxwell Leadership Award. Uh, I love John Maxwell was a great guy, fantastic, and um, really looking forward to some of our conversations today. What we're going to be talking about today, guys, is we're going to be talking a little bit about we're going to be talking a little bit about tribes and leadership. So a bit different in terms of conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about how to build a tribe, how b and I's built a tribe, and how you can implement some of the strategies, tactics, and tools that Ivan's going to be teaching us today, and how you can implement it into your business. So without further ado, go to Ivan Miser, woo Hello. Hey. It's great to
1: be on. Thank you so much.
0: It's great to have you. How are you today?
1: I am doing fantastic. It's a little cold here in Austin, Texas. You think of it as very hot, <laughs> but it's actually snowing <laughs> here in Austin
0: does that really happen in texas that's insane yeah,
1: it is it's crazy
0: i i, I actually re- i actually saw about that believe it or not we've actually got snow here um uh, but i'm in sweden so it's kind of like you know novel for this time of the the year or yeah. whatever it is so uh but listen great to have you first of all i wanted to say um uh, great privilege to uh, be on here with you of course and uh we've had a lot of fun on clubhouse and and uh hanging out on the entrepreneurs and leaders club for you guys that don't know about that the entrepreneurs and leaders club is a a great tribe of people that um that I built a, a great community in on on Clubhouse with and Ivan was one of those interviewees that we had some great conversations and stuff like that. So now I know that we've got some comments coming through in the comments section. And I know that for you guys that are listening in live, if you are listening to us live, please do me a favor, accept the T's and the C's, which is the streaming thing around. And for you guys that listen to recording, hopefully you've got your pens and paper handy. Because normally when Ivan does these interviews, he's normally talking a lot about networking. And we're going to be talking about something a little bit different today. By the way, I wanted to just ask you, how was your trip to Antarctica?
1: It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, You know, when people talk about Antarctica and they say it's a desert, it is a desert. There is is no vegetation on Antarctica. And, um, you know, and people say, did you see penguins? It's like, well, I didn't see dozens. I didn't see hundreds. I didn't see thousands. I probably saw tens of thousands. Oh my gosh. Because we stopped at a number of islands along the way. An incredible experience. Uh, I would highly recommend it. However, crossing the Drake Passage, wow. It, it's rough. I mean, we were in 30-foot swells. And, wow. Uh, the people, you know, they were popping Dramamine like candy.
0: That's crazy. What was the purpose of the trip, just out of curiosity? For fun. <laughs> For fun? That's kind of what yeah. it's about, right? have, business, have fun, right? Oh, wait, we're getting on holiday this month. Oh, I'm going to Antarctica. What? Antarctica?
1: <laughs> there was also a solar eclipse that we saw from the ocean. Oh, that's cool. and then uh, and then it was a, it was a, a fifteen day uh, cruise on a ice qualified, not an ice breaker, but right. an ice qualified um, ship. and we did uh, we did uh, trips out to the land. Now you, you know it's it, it's rugged. There are no facilities at all. I mean, you're getting a zodiac boat. <laughs> You, they take you to the beach. You, you step out in the ocean uh, and oh, wow. walk onto the beach, and then you know explore within a limited area. Um, an amazing experience. I'd highly recommend it.
0: Um, I guess it was. You know, it's not one of those holiday destinations that I put on my bucket list, of course. But, um... <laughs>
1: usually, I usually my, I prefer different kinds of beaches.
0: That's a right. Movie. Exactly. Thinking maybe Hawaii is kind of more suited to you, but I, I guess you kind of live in the US, so Hawaii is not really much of a kind of a destination or something. Oh, is it's it? wonderful.
1: I've been there many times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, that that you know, it was great because I know that you when we were speaking in uh I think it was November or October, you mentioned that. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, a holiday with the penguins. Great stuff. All right, whatever future boats, all cool. All right. Well, listen, um, I wanted to kind of like really drive into this because I know we've got uh, we've got some uh, uh, some engagement as well, which I know that our BNI members, by the way, so we are we thank we, are, we thank you for your uh, contributions, and uh, I want to give a big shout out to one of my clients, Sarah Franklin, um, and she says uh, she says hi. She's uh, she's based in the UK. She it's, I think she was also one of our contributing authors, by the way, Ivan, in our best-selling book called Play the Game. So she just wants to say hi, and hopefully you've received her copy. Hey, Sarah so anyway i wanted to just jump in here because um you know one of the things that i found over the last couple of years um the importance of community right and um and how like you can leverage community but more and more specifically i want to talk a little bit about tribes now i know that (laughs) back in 1985 when you effectively started up bni right I wanted to kind of get your perspective of what your perspective of what a tribe is and how has BNI created a kind of tribal, call it tribal concept and in kind of building the organization to how it is today.
1: Yeah, well, to me, a a tribe is a community. They're, They're people that have similar core values or operate on a basis of similar core values. And uh, uh, you know those who are successful participants in that tribe live those core values, mm-hmm. and um, they generally have. And certainly, if you're talking about a business like BNI, they have a mission, they have a vision, and the tribe uh, is all working towards that that mission and vision. And so it's really about, um, like I said, a community of people working together uh, to to because the sum of the whole can be greater than the individual parts true that the tribe working together can create much more than any one can do on their own
0: love it love it And, and how do you you know i mean back in kind of you know sort of the mid 80s and stuff you know, I, you, I mean, you kind of, I I guess you would never imagined it as being as big as it is snake pot potentially. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know, (laughs) but what's the backstory about being, I, I know that I don't really know so much about the backstory. I know that you had a vision with you and your wife, but you know, what was kind of going through in the middle?
1: Well, uh, actually, um, I met my wife in BNI, so she she was not uh, there in the very beginning.
0: And so but yeah, love to know what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah. So like I said, I I met my wife in BNI. She was a member of of a chapter. Um, You know, I'd like to tell you I had this vision of an international organization, but I started BNI because I went to networks that I thought were mercenary and everyone was selling to me. And I went to networks that I thought were too social. It was just happy hour and hors d'oeuvres. Uh, I wanted a network that had a focus on business, but wasn't mercenary and was um, relational, but not totally social. And so okay. I, I formed one group and that's all I had in mind. Cause I was a management consultant and ah. someone came and said, Hey, would you help me open up a second group? And I told her, no, this isn't what I do. And she said, well, <laughs> um, you know, th- this is kind of consulting. And she talked me into it. And, I, and then people came to that group and they asked me to open up one. And so my, my Brody moment, and I'll explain that, my Brody <laughs> moment came in December of that year. So I opened in January of 1985. In December of 1985, about 11 and a half months after, I always take a week off between Christmas and New Year's to reflect. Right. And th- that week, that year, I was like, what the heck just happened? This was not <laughs> I had 20 chapters. I opened 20 groups
0: by accident. 20 groups in 11 months? 11 and a half
1: months, yeah. I had that's groups. insane. Wow. It is. it is. And I didn't have a plan. And that's when I realized that um, we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. Right. And um, that the people really need it. Now, here's why I call it the Brody moment. Do you remember the movie Jaws?
0: I do remember the name. Yeah, I really? love that movie. Fantastic. Well,
1: the, the the sheriff he was Sheriff Brody. Right. And remember the scene? It's it's you know so memorable where he's throwing out chum into the water, and for the first time ever, someone other than people that the the, the shark attacked, <laughs> he saw the shark. It right. came up and you know, he was shocked and he walked in to the captain's uh, area and he said, you're gonna need a bigger boat. And that was my Brody moment was in December, oh, wow. uh, the last week of December, 1985, where I realized I'm gonna need a bigger boat, that, that I have struck a chord that I didn't expect and um, that I needed to create a plan. And that's when I started to create the plan to scale BNI. We now have 10,600 chapters in more than 70 countries around the world with over 286,000 paying members.
0: That's insane. Where where, where where did you start? Was that in California? It was, think- yeah. It was okay. uh, in
1: Southern California, LA County.
0: Right. That's cool. That's good. And and and, and when, when it came to, I mean, you obviously could have managed all 20 chapters. I guess you had People running them. Or I mean, what was the initial?
1: No, I was I was managing them, but it was it was clear to me that I could not manage anymore, and that I was managing too many because I was um, I was running a consulting business still. I was even <laughs> teaching at a university, so I'm, <laughs> I'm running a consulting business. I'm teaching part time at a university, and I got this crazy thing called BNI, and I realized <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't do all three, and um, so I started to lay the groundwork to sell my consulting business. Which took a couple of years, uh, and I started hiring people, and that's where you know you're going to need a bigger boat came in, because I realized that I I, I need I need more people.
0: Yeah, more people. When was, was,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: when was when was when when that initial moment happened? What was the kind of? I don't know if it was a belief system where you thought you know what I'm onto something here. It's like yeah, and then there's kind of like you know, the power of letting go, which I guess, I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to let go, especially if you bought up a consultancy business, then I you bought I. He loved it. Yeah, was was loved it hard it. to You're... let go?
1: It was, but here's the thing that I, I, I thought would be true in at the end of 1985. And I knew was true by 1989, um, where I, uh, actually, actually I take it back. I was 88. I, I sold the consulting business. Um, I recognized that as a consultant, because uh, I worked with medium-sized companies, maybe some small companies, I could maybe help a hundred people, maybe yeah. five clients, yeah. because I was working with mostly small businesses, mid-sized businesses. Yeah. Right. Um, but I thought B&I, I might be able to help thousands of people. I might be able to really make a difference or help make a difference. For thousands of people. Now it's hundreds of thousands of people. Um, <laughs> and so that was really the thing was, I love consulting, but I I have an opportunity to make a bigger impact in the world. And I gravitated to it. When I sold my consulting business, I took a cut in income because I made good money as a management consultant. Um, right. And I took a pretty big cut in income um, when I uh, sold the consulting business and, and started doing b
0: interesting full-time oh, full-time cool. yeah. full of course yeah yeah of course okay that makes sense now i know that um <clears throat> i was gonna say the whole kind of concept of tribes and communities and you know they are very different in their own unique setting but i know that i used to be a B&I member many years ago i remember building up a chapter and i know we've got people listening in live as well and things like that but we don't really talk so much about how you built b and i using a tribal concept, like from a leadership perspective, you know, internally within the organization, because I mean, the organization's franchised right now, isn't it? I mean, it didn't start off as a franchise, did it? No. When did did you shift that to the franchise model? When was it kind of like, oh, wow, this is like, I'd love to know what your thoughts are and kind of where that shift was.
1: The official shift took place in 91. um, But I started thinking about it, conceptually earlier i read a book around 1980 85 86 87 uh, called Got the e uh,
0: oh, yes. by
1: michael gerber
0: <clears throat> michael gerber yep
1: yeah and um uh in in the e he he talked about the fact that uh, you should uh write everything down as though you plan on franchising your business, even if you have no intention of ever franchising your business. <laughs> I thought that was good advice, so I started writing everything down. If not, if nothing else, you know, to, to teach the employees and independent contractors how to do what it was that we were doing, because a learning is a leaky bucket process. If you teach me something, some of the information leaks out. And when I teach somebody else something, uh, that same thing, more information leaks out. And when you have enough layers, you, you know, you end up losing a lot of the information. And so writing it down helped to plug the leaks. By the way, I was talking about this on an interview many years ago. And uh, and I mentioned um, uh, Michael. And guess who called me the next day? Michael. Michael <laughs> yeah. He called me and he said, hey, I was in my car listening. Because we're talking about 15, 20 years ago. He said, I was in my car listening to an interview and you came on. And um, I want to thank you for uh, Referring the E-Myth because by that time the book was 15 years old, right? Or maybe 20 years old. So, um, So he and I have become really good friends. Uh, I love Michael. He's an amazing guy. So when when by 1989 Just a few years later, I thought, well, wait a minute Why can't I franchise? I mean, I didn't plan on it, but why can't I? I got the manuals? I got the processes I have the system and so by 89, I started uh, doing things that would enable me to franchise, like trademark the company name, which was a different name back then. And um, so I needed a trademark. I needed a name that was trademarkable. Then I needed to do all of the legal stuff and right. then make an offering. So the first franchise was in 1991.
0: In the United States?
1: In the United States. Uh, I didn't open out up outside the United States until uh, – um, 1995.
0: Okay, so that's ten years after the initial launch. And, and then by that time, how many, how many, how many states and chapters were you in?
1: By 95, we probably had um, oh, maybe it was under a thousand chapters. Maybe uh while well, here. Actually, I can tell you: is um, by 1996, we had 500 chapters. Damn. And I know that number because people <laughs> around uh, uh, people in the early 2000s were saying, hasn't the inter- internet uh, affected BNI? And I'd say, yeah, it's affected it dramatically. And they, yeah. and they would nod and go, Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm not surprised. <laughs> say, well, let me explain. In our first 11 years, we opened 500 groups from 1985 to 1996, 500 groups in the next 11 years from uh, 1997 to 2008, we opened 5,000 groups.
0: Wow, that's insane.
1: So yes, the internet has affected BNI. And and so, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know how I got off into that. But yeah, we had 500 500 chapters uh, by about 1995. And I remember the first country we opened outside of the United States was Canada. This is an absolutely true story. I'm not making this up. It's not a joke. Go for it. I was going to launch two chapters. You know, I had a director up there. I was gonna launch two chapters. We had them all ready to go. I, we did a little mixer where everybody could meet me and talk to me before the launch of the two chapters. And it was it was the evening before and I had a drink and, and there was a, a, a woman standing in a corner. And so I, I strike up a conversation with her and nobody's around and I go, look, I'm, I'm actually a little bit nervous about opening up in another country. <laughs> You know, this is the first country outside the United States. Do you think this will work in Canada? And Adam, I swear to you, she said, oh, she was a little older than me. She said, oh, honey, Canadians are basically Americans with cheap health care and no guns. This will go great here in Canada. And I laughed and she made me, you know, whether it's true or not. I think it probably is kind of true. Uh, yeah, it is. But whether it's true or not, uh, it it, uh, it it really relaxed me, and and so we kicked off in Canada, and from Canada, we we got a referral to the United Kingdom, and from the United Kingdom, it just went worldwide.
0: Absolutely uh for you guys that are, are obviously uh listening in from Canada I hope you find that joke uh, enlightening But i said it a joke it a true <laughs> it's a <joke>. story <laughs> it's a true story exactly but uh but it, it's so funny anyway um i'd to know more cuz i know that um you also um was the recipient of you know the John Maxwell thing and 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 i love John Maxwell he's he's a he's amazing a, man true amazing man absolutely pioneering what he does tell me more about um how your, I suppose, how did you evolve as a leader over the last sort of, I don't know, 30 odd years from the time that you founded BNI? You know, you must have gone through some massive shifts from, from a leadership oh, yeah. perspective, huge. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, luckily, uh, you know, I, I did my graduate work at the University of Southern California. And luckily, I had an opportunity to study, study under Warren Bennis. And Warren Bennis uh, was in his day, the John Maxwell. Of leadership, right? Uh, right. You know, if you look up any book in the, uh, I would say 70s to the 90s, um, okay, Venice is highly uh, recognized, and he probably wrote most of the best-selling books on leadership. So I, he was on my doctoral committee at USC, and so I was able to study under him. And I learned some really important lessons. Uh, two of which. I uh, carry absolutely many of which I've carried for, but two really resonate with me. The first is um, contextual intelligence. Okay. And he talked okay. to me about the importance of, of a leader. That leadership is not just a bunch of it's not just a set of characteristics. Like these are the characteristics of a good leader. And he, <laughs> he, as a matter of fact, I did a paper on the characteristics of a good leader, and he tore it apart. And, I, and I, you know, I was asking him why. And so he gave me a whole list of, he, he started with my list and he said, okay, that's fine. And then he gave me another list and he said, are, are these potentially good leaders? And I said, yes. And then he gave me a whole other list. He said, are these good leaders? And I said, well, yes. And he said, characteristics have little to do with being a great leader. It's about learning how to adapt your behavioral style to become a good leader. And right. there are great leaders that are introverts and there are great leaders that are extroverts and 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 everything in between and all of the different behaviors. So it got me to rethink that the characteristics are kind of secondary to other things. And, and this is where he led into then contextual intelligence. He said, this is way more important is that whatever style of leadership you have, you have to understand the context of the challenge And if you don't understand the context, where it's coming from, then you can't lead effectively. The second thing that he taught me, which was really important, was adaptive capacity. The ability to adapt to the context of the challenge. Mm. And if you are unable to lead an organization and adapt, you will fail. And uh, that has really hit home with me. And I, and I, and you know, I've tried to apply that throughout my career, um, you know, BNI, let's take I, 2020. In 2020, we had just hit 10,000 chapters. Damn. And, um, and COVID hit. Yep. <laughs> now, now I want you to think 10,000 groups of people who meet in person every week. You know, people say uh, their business was totally disrupted. Our business was totally disrupted. 10,000 weekly meetings. Well, this is where adaptive capacity comes into play. And I can't take credit for it, it was our CEO. Now I granted, <laughs> you know, I I, I I was there every step of the way but he really uh, led uh, the, the transition from 10,000 in-person meetings every week to 10,000 online meetings every week. And at the time of this interview that we're doing now, we're, we've got a combination. We have some that are still online. We have some that are hybrid, some in person, some online, and some that are hundred percent in person where it is safe to do that. And um, that's, that's an example of adaptive uh, contextual intelligence and adaptive capacity
0: love it you know it's interesting because when i was when, when, when you brought that up actually i was thinking to myself i was thinking how are organizations like B and I, you know how they're going to adapt to the change because i didn't see immediately i didn't see that shift you know what i'm saying i'm like you know they've been around for you know for a number of years this could be the end i'm sure it yeah. What you know that was kind of what i thought that was my perception um Well, (laughs) I I can say
1: I never thought it was the end, and here's why. Go on. Because I wrote an article for Entrepreneur
0: Uh
1: in 2018, entrepreneur.com. In 2018, I wrote an article that said the future of face to face is online. Yep. Interesting. And and, now I didn't see COVID coming. My CEO did, I didn't. Um, But what I said is the technology is advancing at such a fast pace, and here's the evidence of it that within 10 years, Um, within five to 10 years, we are going to transition uh, most networking to an online, some type of online platform. Cause you've got mixed reality, holographic imaging, you know, uh, know, I joked around saying, you know, someday we're going to have these holographic images, like in, in star Wars, where you have (laughs) a Jedi. Here's a real Jedi and a couple of holographic images. Towards the end of the (laughs) article, I said, you know, if we get to that point, I want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. uh, So
0: I would be Oda. <laughs> so
1: I wrote that in 2018. So um, we knew that it was coming. We didn't know that it was coming because of COVID, but the fact that we conceptually understood that the technology was changing, um, I think, helped us make that transition from at the management level easier. Right. Getting members on was a little more difficult because you, can, you know, we had some members gray hair like I have, and and they um, were really resistant. I had one guy who was like, "I am not gonna move to online meetings," and I and I remember saying to him, "And this was like the writing was on the wall. People were starting to go out of business." And I said, "Look, look, you can go online or not go online. Exactly. You can go online and save your business, or you can not go online and go out of business. Yep. It's, it's up, up to you." you. You know, exactly. I can't. I can't make you go to the meetings, but um, they're going online, so they're going to go with you or without you. What I felt like saying was, "Buck up, Buttercup." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But that's what I felt like saying. And to so, his credit, the way, he he did go online, and and he said it saved his business.
0: It's resistance to change. You know, more than anything. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, by the way, for you for for that person that's that we're talking about, we won't name you for professional for professionalism. But if you're listening to this, we're we're, I'm sure you're having a laugh right now. But anyway, (laughs) actually, do you know, um, uh interestingly enough, and uh, you know, there's really big talk at the moment, Ivan, around the whole kind of metaverse thing as well. And I'm sure you've probably got plans maybe in the future around kind of how BNI is going to transition into the metaverse and stuff. That's, that's kind of exciting. I, I don't know about where you thought about that.
1: Well, I think, you know, we're really keeping our eyes on uh, that kind of technology because uh, that is the wave of the future. Yeah. And um, you know, to make, we have to make that transition when the technology is there technology to the point where uh, y- y- you know, everybody has access to it and almost everybody is using it and True. you know if you go back in time i remember in the in the um, set <clears throat> in the early 70s uh, i had a high school buddy and uh, audio uh, cassette uh, um, voicemail machines had just come
0: out <laughs> you mean like and, a fax machine
1: no no cassette i mean it actually wasn't even cassette the first one i had was a reel to reel phone messaging where you could leave oh wow
0: that's way before my time, by the way. Yeah, um, that, was, yeah. that was like 1970, <laughs>
1: 1973. And I remember okay. a buddy of mine saying, these machines are so weird. This is before I had one even. He said, these machines are so weird. I, I'm, who's going to leave their voice on a this machine? And just two years later, by 74, 75, I, I, I had a friend saying, I don't get it. I'm calling my friend. He doesn't have a tape machine. Everybody's got a tape machine. Why doesn't he have a tape machine? So, within this two year period, all of a sudden the technology advanced, and, and with it, people were drawn along. Email. I remember email in the 90s where people were going, or no, before that, fax machines. I'm guilty <laughs> of that one. Why would I fax something? You know, that's so expensive to buy one, just FedEx, FedEx it overnight. And then, you know, finally I realized you gotta have a fax machine. And then it was email. You know, people didn't have email. What is it? Then all of a sudden people, because the technology advanced. Right. Now Absolutely. high, look at, look at us right now, Adam. Right. Broadband internet. This was unheard of yep. 10 years ago. To do an interview live? on the internet.
0: Live? live, which is insane.
1: Yeah. So the technology got to a point where yep. it was easy for people to make the transition. That's what needs to happen. When the technology starts to really get there. Um, I want to, I want to do, I don't want to be disrupted by technology. I want to lead the disruption.
0: I love it. Oh, by the way, I just want to show you this. I want to show you this. Watch this. Some of us still have a fax machine. <laughs> a by the way, uh, uh, whoever that was, you need to put your name in the chat box because we don't know who you are. It just says Facebook user, but I just love that. You're going to get some grief by the way, whoever that is. Uh, that's so funny. Um, I know back in um, when you uh, created BNI back in the 80s, tell us a little bit more about the vision. I mean, did you have a vision back in the 80s? How has it kind of, no. I mean, evolved over the last, you know, 40, 35 years? Because you know, it has evolved, you know, you've evolved as a person, but I'd love to know... Um, know more about
1: that. Okay, so i so I just did another interview. I want to make sure I didn't talk about the Brody moment with you yet, Harry. I
0: know <laughs> we did that at the beginning.
1: We did, we did that. Okay, so yeah. I talked about it in the previous interview as well. So that my Brody moment was where I uh, then uh, realized I needed to scale the business. So I sat down and I did a plan. By the middle of 1986, so a year and a half into it, about six months after I decided to do to scale. Yeah. Um. I, I went to the library, there was no internet in 1986. If you wanted to do research, you had to go to the library. So luckily I was uh, teaching and I was still working on my doctoral degree. And so I went to libraries to do research, You know, to check out books and get reference books, to figure out just how many how many chapters would it be possible for me and I to have someday? Sure. And after all the calculations I did, I came to the conclusion that this is June of 1986, Nine, a year and six months after I started BNI.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I came to the conclusion that we could possibly have 10,000 chapters someday. Dang. And I remember telling that to a friend of mine, and he looked at me and he said, and um, how many chapters do you have now, <laughs> Ivan? I said, 30. He said, you have 30 groups, and you think you can have 10,000? I said, yeah, I, I think I can. And the, the numbers are definitely there. And like I mentioned earlier, in 2020, we hit the 10,000 chapter mark.
0: Wow. Uh, I'm sure he's um, sworeing his words right now listening to this <laughs> because, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. What, what would you say, like, I know that um, from when you obviously franchise the business, which was six years later, I'd love to know how you structured the business in a way to set up for success because it's a it's a very different model, the franchise model, obviously, from a leadership perspective did you feel like do you ever feel like you were going to lose control of the brand and the vision of everything you know when you franchise it was there a lot of things going through your head I'd love to know what your thoughts are about that.
1: yeah i mean you do lose some control but um, at the same time you empower people And right. so it's a balancing act between losing some control and empowering people and um, you know, I had one of my franchises one day say to me, you know, especially, it was, this was about 20 years ago and we were just so wide eyed with this, how this thing is growing. <laughs> and he said to me, you know, some days it's gotta feel like everybody in BNI is running in this direction and you're running behind them going, everybody move to the left, move to the right, everybody <laughs> straight, don't know don't, don't, you're getting out of bounds. Come on in. And, and they, honestly, it really felt like that. It felt like I was, you know, constantly saying, come on, come on, get in the bonds, get in the yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you can't, when you have a franchise, and frankly, I, I think you can't do this with employees either, but particularly with the franchise, you can't just tell people what to do. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> it's because I said so, they don't buy it. So I'll tell you, I was. I, it was not only my leadership training with Warren, but, but my mom. My mom was an amazing woman wow. when I was 13 years old. She gave me this paperweight. I'll read it to you. And and she gave it to me because I was running for student council. And she said, honey, I love you. You're not gonna get elected to anything if you don't learn how to work with people better. You are a (laughs) bull in a China shop. You just (laughs) knock people over. And she said, um, she gave me this this, um, paperweight. that's on my desk to this day. It says, diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. And she said, this is about collaboration, not manipulation. It's about learning how to to work with people, not just roll them over. And, you know, it's a lesson that I constantly have to remind myself uh, about because it's so much easier to just, you know, (laughs) smack them up the side of the head, metaphorically. (laughs) i say, do it my way, but that's not leadership, that's assault. And so, um, you know, you gotta learn how to get people to follow. An idea and that takes some diplomacy,
0: it does, and you know, it's interesting because I mean, listen, I've done thousands of these interviews and interviewed millionaires and billionaires and people like yourself, and it's interesting how there seems to be this same (coughs) commentary around you know, about leadership, about vision, and about what, what does it take to build an organization you know, that goes to scale. Um, yeah. And it's just really fascinating how everyone seems to come up with a, some same common patterns of, yeah. you know, that, you know, do you know, what I mean, it's like, you know, I was speaking with Gary Reid who was, um, who was our speaker actually in our private inner circle group. And, you know, he's such a humble gentleman. He's based in San Diego, California, actually. Uh, and he's the CEO of WD40. And he just gave some really good points very similar to what you've been talking about, actually, about, you know, finding the idea and getting them excited and hiring people that are better than you, yeah. <laughs> which which I think is really important. So I think that you made some really, really good points. I love well, that. You,
1: you just made two comments there that I, I'd love to, to, to respond to. Please. One was uh, the humility. Uh, I really think that um, humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. Right. And it's about supporting uh, your team as much as um, possible. The other thing is about themes for success. And I probably haven't talked about what in my opinion is the most important, and that is organizational culture. I think culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture is the secret sauce to a successful organization. You could have the best strategy in the world, but if you have a bad culture, you're not gonna be successful. Uh, you can, add, if you have a great culture and a decent strategy, you can be successful. If you have a great culture and a great strategy, you are the industry leader. Culture is the secret sauce to a really successful organization and maintaining that culture, I think is challenging and critical for a successful long running company. And we've been around 37 years now.
0: It's a long time. It's a long and time. by the way,
1: 37 years, and here's some, an interesting fact. 37 consecutive years of growth not one year uh was a down was a down year from the previous year some you know the last two years have were flatter but we have 37 years of consecutive growth there are very few if any companies i know of that can say they have 37 years of consecutive growth
0: yeah i mean i don't know of any in fact not not off the top of my head anyway but that's a, that's a, it's a great achievement. And I mean, <clears throat> you must be very proud of what you've achieved and I'm sure there's your mom looking down at you thinking, oh, we're so proud of you, Ivan. And <laughs>
1: she went, she went to a number of BNI events. She saw it. Um, and yeah, she was, and I, you know, I am proud, but I'm also, we, we talked about humility. I'm, I'm also humbled by what it's become because, um, you know, there are so many people today more than ever, people need their network. They need their community, their tribe. And so um, what makes me feel great is hearing people who say to me, I'm in business today because my community, my group uh, held me together during these challenging times. They helped support me and, and not only survive but thrive. During these incredibly challenging times, and um, that's that's humbling.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Well, what in terms of uh, I know you talked about humility. I'd love to talk a little bit about can- candor because uh, I think Jack Welsh talks about that. You know, the former CEO of uh, General Electric. He talks about the importance of candor. What well, What's your thoughts on on candor and how how should leaders you know embrace the the, the formality of candor?
1: Well, I I think transparency, you know, I would, if you define candor as transparency, I I would say it's really important. Um, You know, one of the largest projects that uh, I ever undertook uh, while I was running the company, I I, I don't run the day-to-day operations anymore. I'm sort of the Colonel Sanders of BNI. But one of the biggest projects that I undertook when I was running the company was um, BNI Connect, which is our online um, Mm. platform where we transitioned uh, you know a paper based system to online which um, we're coming up on 11 years that that's happened um, i i think if if we had not been uh, almost totally transparent and I, and i say almost only because the kinds of things we didn't share were people's salaries you know yes, so of anything that was hr related we didn't share but yep. uh, other than that we were 100% transparent you know i showed expenses i showed budgets uh, I showed uh, the plans. Uh, we were virtually completely transparent in, um, in, in that project. And I think that kind of transparency, it, it settles people. Mm, it, I agree. Cal- it calms the tribe because um, there's nothing hiding. And when people start, you know, saying, well, you're not showing this, then, you know, okay, fine. Here it is. Here's that. Well, what about this? Well, here's that. You know, at some point people go, Ken, just leave the guy alone. He's showing, <laughs> he's showing everything. You know, what's wrong with you? And when, when peers start saying, just leave the guy alone. He's showing you everything. <laughs> uh, that's, when, that's when the transparency really kicks in.
0: Yeah, love it. You know, actually, we share, um, we share a very good mutual friend, uh, Mr. Bob Berg who wrote the great, he was the co-author love of The Go-Giver, of course. We love Bob, right? And, love Bob. Uh, Bob,
1: you know. Bob is the real deal, by the way. He is
0: the real deal. He is the you real deal. People who who
1: people you who know, speak from the stage and they're a completely different person off stage. Yeah, that's yeah. not Bob. Bob, not Bob. Bob um, lives his values. He's a wonderful person. He's one of the few people in the world outside of a BNI director that I would recommend go speak at a conference um, on networking.
0: Yeah, and he is a and he's a truly humble character, you know. Yeah. I like, want a big shout out to Bob and, and stuff like that. But actually, believe it or not, I know talking about his book, The Go Giver, and then you've got the whole kind of philosophy of Givers Gain. How did they, you know, was, was the concept behind Givers Gain similar to what Bob wrote? I mean, what, what what was kind of your connotation behind that?
1: You know, I've never asked him if um, Givers Gain influenced that i i don't think so i mean if it did he probably put it would have put it in the book um, right because that's the kind of guy he is but the yeah, concept of you know giving is not new and um uh, i i would i would say you know the go-getter and i wrote a book called givers gain the bni story which yes which is available only to bni members it's not i mean it, it's on Amazon, but they're resales. It's not published on Amazon, and so um, uh, I would say his concept of the go, go go giver and giver's gain really vertically integrate extremely well. Mine is a historical context of how you know this happened. His is a a parable. Um, you know, both are great books.
0: I agree. I agree, and uh, big shout out to Bob. We'll have to mess I'll have to message him after our call. Yep. And say, hey, we just yep. we just uh, we just been on the call with Ivan. And he says hi. So, uh, but uh, it's kind of cool. Listen, I know we're coming towards the end of our interview, and I know that you're a very uh, uh, pressing man, uh, but love to know what you guys have plans for the future um, for BNI because you've been around for thirty seven years. There's not many organisations that's been around for thirty seven years. I'd love to know what your plans are, and uh, and what is the what is the legacy that you want to leave when eventually you, know, you, you do leave this world, which is not going to be anytime soon? But well, sure we, hope we hope not. Touch wood. Touch wood.
1: <laughs> um, so our plans, you know, we, we definitely have plans. Um, we, we haven't uh, shared all of our plans yet, but I can tell you that our plans really are in the direction that we're talking about, uh, or we have been talking about, where I wrote that article in 2018, uh, saying that the, the, uh, you know online is, is the future. I see right. BNI becoming more and more of a platform-like program. And how that looks, uh, we're working on. But it, <laughs> it is going to be more and more of a platform that, that, that really may, gives easy access to communities. And the yeah. more that happens, I really believe that BNI, um, in a fraction of the time that it took to go to 286,000 members, we're gonna go to a million members. Wow. And that's gonna happen because of the platform concept that we're moving towards. Not completely, I'm, I am not saying face-to-face meetings <laughs> are ending, okay? That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we are going to continue to vertically integrate the technology into our into our process and into our system. That's our future. Love it. And love you asked it. me what my legacy was. So yes, I'll give you the short answer and then a quote. <laughs> um, the short answer is this: someone's life is their legacy. It's that simple. However, you live your life, that's your legacy. And, um, and so I would like to think that my legacy is one of helping people and supporting people and um, making a difference, changing the way the world does business. But um, my legacy will be up to the people who survived me. And, um, and, I, and I, I think I've lived a, a life um, dedicated to helping people. Uh, here's, my, here's my quote. It's a, it's a variation of a quote from um, Jean-Paul Sartre. Ah, yes. Uh, we all die too soon or too late. And yet our life is complete at that moment with a line drawn neatly under it, ready for the summing up. Your your deeds in life and little more. And um, I believe that um, I have lived values and done deeds that, um, well, that I'm proud of and that I hope create a legacy for me.
0: Love it. Fantastic. Well, just before we finish, because I know we've got so many comments on whatever it has come through. So we've just got this lady. I think this is Branka, actually. Greetings through BNI Cyprus. There we go. Fantastic. Nice to have uh, some Cypriots as well. Uh, let's just quickly, just quickly, very, very quickly. Uh, when is, oh, Okay. When is Ivan going to space? <laughs> I sure would
1: like to know that. Um, <laughs> I signed up back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, roughly. Uh, there's a video out there that I did announcing it. Uh, I I started a real estate business before I started BNI, and my uh, real estate investment company has really allowed me to do some amazing <laughs> things. I happened to spend uh, a week on Necker Island with Richard Branson just a few months yes. ago. And um, we and it was all Virgin Galactic future astronauts that were there on the island. And of course, our question was, when? <laughs> um, they're hoping to be able to start flying sometime this year or early next year. Um, I am astronaut number two hundred and forty-seven, <laughs> and they're they're going to do um, they're going to do about six astronauts at a time. So Got that it. means that I'll probably be on roughly the fortieth flight. Um, uh, so sometime next year, I would like to, to do it. It's going to be awesome to come down and, and get astronaut wings from Virgin Galactic. Very cool.
0: Love uh, it. I'm really did, looking forward. did, uh, did Richard share his experience with, uh, about his first flights yeah. up in space? What, Absolutely. what would he say?
1: Um, <laughs> he said one thing that I thought was really, I mean, he loved it. It was amazing. It blew his mind. Right. It was everything that he hoped it would be all stuff right. that you would expect. Here is what I didn't expect he said if i if i were to do it again i would spend less time enamored with floating and more time looking at the earth hey that's cool because the view is indescribable mm-hmm. in person and i'm going to take that to heart i'm going to spend about 30 seconds you know <laughs> enjoying <laughs> the floating and then i'm going to stick my face in a viewport beautiful- <laughs> And enjoy
0: the view. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Love it. Listen, this has been a fantastic um, interview. And uh, and we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of laughs, And I just want to say thanks very much. I really appreciate you today.
1: My pleasure. Adam. Anytime. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you.
0: Very cool. Listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's uh, episode of the Game Changers Experience. Um, if you want to get to know more about Ivan, you can click on his links below. Check out his books as well. There's 26 of them out there. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, you can go on to Amazon and all the good uh, re- uh, good booksellers stores as well. And if you want to learn more about BNI, then please go to the BNI website and check out where your nearest chapter uh, is available. So thanks very much, Ivan. Really appreciate you today. And for you guys that are listening, thanks very much and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Bye bye. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers Experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. Doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, PodChaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Change experience. Take care. See you soon.